This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baird. The Biden administration's federal vaccine mandate ruffling feathers and some Senate Democrats have now even been vocal in their criticism. Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Senator John Tester of Montana, supported a resolution that would stop President Biden's vaccine mandate for businesses. In addition to the mandate, Senator Manchin has shown misgivings about the Build Back Better bill. Now being birdbathed, if you will, in the Senate, President Biden is expected to meet with the West Virginia senator this week. Meanwhile, the GOP is facing some changes of its own after it was announced California Congressman Devin Nunes resigned from Congress to become the chief executive officer for former President Trump's new media company, which would call for a special election for his seat, Nunes, that is, before the 2022 midterms. For this and more, we'll bring in our panel, former State Department spokesperson, senior advisor to the Scowcroft Center at the Atlantic Council, Morgan Ortegas, Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey, and former Tennessee Congressman Harold Ford Jr. Peter, that vaccine pushback is real not only up on Capitol Hill, in polls, but in federal courtrooms around the country, and um, the administration is having to deal with that. Yes, and what we're hearing from the administration is not, we think it's a good idea to go with the courts and wait to get your people vaccinated. They're saying instead, uh, they think a lot of people, a lot of employers are vaccinating their people on their own without the threat right now of a legal penalty. Uh, And they want everybody to be like those people. So not necessarily defying the law, but following the rule that they laid out here before all these challenges. Yeah, Morgan, you know, it's easy to say that this is the right thing to do and to try to get businesses to mandate this. But when you look at the law, uh, obviously these judges are seeing something different. Yeah, I think that's right. And And I think we are in such a highly polarized environment, even it comes around to the courts. You know, we were just talking a few days ago on your show, Brett, um, about abortion politics in the courts and how that's going to play out in 2022. Um, and there's and there's no doubt, unfortunately, in this country, um, even though the vaccines happened under the Trump administration from Operation Warp Speed and President Trump took the vaccine, as did his senior staff, 
uh, it has now turned into a political fight. It has now turned into something that you know, there's a large portion of the country that are just refusing to do it because the government is mandating it. And, and I think that is unfortunate. But for the remainder, probably of this president's term, there's going to be COVID politics where there's mandates that likely overreach and aren't constitutional and are struck down in courts. Yeah. Harold, your thoughts? First off, thanks for th- this is a good conversation and one that, you know, I, I struggle with a bit around the mandates or not. It's clear if you look at the, the health and the science. And I think Morgan to Morgan's point, this has been a bipartisan push to urge people to take the, the vaccine without President Trump's Operation Warp Speed and the incredible work of scientists and doctors and engineers at these big pharmaceutical companies. We would not have had we would not have three safe vaccines and almost an equal number of boosters. Ultimately, this will be decided by the Supreme Court, this mandate issue. Uh, but as young Mr. Ducey said, you know, the fact that, that corporate America, large and small, are encouraging, if not urging their workers and employees, and for that matter, in some instances, their patrons and customers uh, to be vaccinated and or boosted to actually receive the service is a, is a good thing. But I think one thing that we should all note and should take note of, rather, is that this vaccine mandate is not something that's new. We've had vaccine mandates in the country. Uh, we, we have them state by state and school district by school district largely. And we have mandates also or things that we have to do as Americans that the federal government requires, including if you want to travel overseas or come back into the country, you have to have a, a U.S. passport. So these are not you know, the idea of the government asking us to do something. Uh, is not totally foreign, certainly not in the public health space and certainly not in the security space, which is what you have to do with a passport, as, as Morgan knows well, having served uh, uh, in the administration. And as one that believes that at the end of the day, that China may have had some role, or at least they've not absolved themselves or having some role in the spread of this virus, and I'm not accusing, but they certainly could be more uh, open and transparent. I think the one thing we can do as Americans, if if you believe that China is behind this and or you believe that our greatest geopolitical adversary in the 21st century is China, if we as Americans want to combat them and compete with them, we've got to get vaccinated. We've got to be living and have to be able to compete. So I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get more Americans. Uh, I think we're at 200 million now, a little over, that are fully vaccinated. I hope we're able to get even more so as we get towards the end of the year and the beginning of next year. Yeah. And the question is, you know, what fully vaccinated is going to mean, whether that includes a booster eventually, and it may, uh, as we see more variants, et cetera. Peter, speaking about China, uh, the administration having a little bit of a egg on its face for a democracy summit in which uh, the Taiwanese uh, were essentially blocked out of a presentation because a map popped up with uh, China and Taiwan in different colors. And we're being told it was somebody in the State Department circle. They were blaming the White House. Bottom line is that someone was sensitive about China getting the message that they were showing Taiwan as a different country. And doing that summit via Zoom was supposed to make everything easy for these Biden people. It it did not. But this is what we're seeing uh, in terms of and kind of to go back to what Harold was talking about. Uh, there are a lot of people who are worried about COVID, the number one issue in the world right now. There are questions about whether or not it did uh, or how it started in China that this administration does not care to uh, press them directly about. They didn't bring it up on the call for uh, two hours with the president and she. He never mentioned it. And Jen Psaki said, well, he knows that it's important to help us out. Uh, this Olympics diplomatic boycott that we're going to have where they don't send anybody from the White House 
to China as a way to protest human rights abuses there. President Biden didn't mention it on the call with Xi just a few days before. And so what we are seeing is a reluctance top to bottom to actually confront China on anything that could upset them. Yeah. Morgan, it is interesting to just watch this. Um, You know, this started with a Reuters report that said the White House had ordered the State Department to cut off the Taiwanese minister when he put up this map. Something small, but in the big picture, it it comes off as, uh, wait, if you're going to not be tough on that, how are you going to be tough on China? Josh Rogan, by the way, with The Washington Post reported that the State Department actually did it, and it threw the White House under the bus. But that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is, is the Biden administration tough enough when it comes to issues with China? Right. And I think that the, here's why I think the video feed uh, actually matters, because the Chinese Communist Party is the one that censors, right? The Chinese Communist Party is the one, if there are American news organizations, uh, TV organizations, they will cut their feed in China if they don't like what's being said. When I was at the State Department last year, uh, they were kicking journalists out of the country. They were not reviewing their visas for people like the New York Times reporters, Washington Post. Um, and so to see the State Department engage in activity that would, you know, censoring someone from Taiwan speaking, who I believe, by the way, I've read in reports was even um, possibly transgendered. Uh, so they have they have taken someone that they normally should be championing and, and have silenced that person. And it's really a fallacy. It, maybe fallacy is the wrong word. It, it's really unconscionable to me to try to blame the technical people at the State Department. I mean, these are really fantastic guys who would never do something like that unless they were ordered to do so. So there's big space between the White House and the State Department um, on this. And you could tell the White House is frustrating. All of that matters, in my opinion, Brett, because it plays into the uh, broader narrative that that you just discussed about if they are being tough enough on China. I got to tell you from a public messaging perspective, you know, the line that everyone keeps using in the administration, including that that Secretary Lloyd Austin used with you in your interview um, about a week and a half ago at the Reagan Forum, um, they kept talking about, they keep talking about being competitive with China. Well, to me, this just sounds like a talking point from like seven years ago. Uh, You know, we're in a totally different world world now uh, with Chairman uh, Xi. uh, And we are, it's more than being competitive with China, right? They are out to rule the international order. They want to take over international institutions. Um, They are cracking down internally on businesses, whether they are uh, Chinese businesses or foreign businesses, you have to kiss the leader, uh, you know, the ring to the leader in order to be able to do business in China. Uh, we are entering a brave new world, so to speak, with the Chinese Communist Party and how they're going to rule China and their ambitions globally. Um, and it's a lot more than just being competitive. We're talking about a battle for global dominance based on our uh, very, very different ideas. I just want to mention, as we were talking about the other uh, issue of vaccine mandates, uh, the Supreme Court today, um, actually just moments ago, refused, uh, declined to block New York's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers, uh, which does not allow for religious exemptions. So we've seen different courts do different things, but the Supreme Court, uh, Harold, weighing in on that. 
Right. I'm not surprised by the ruling. Uh, and I am, I'm encouraged by it because I think if someone uh, is in our, in the, in the healthcare world and in front line of in delivering healthcare, I would hope they would, they would want to be, want to be vaccinated, but um, I'm sure we'll have a chance to digest this and come to understand practically what it means. But just to, to Morgan's point there about some of the wording around how Secretary Austin and even others have, and I, I've adopted the language as well around compete. I, I don't mean it all. And I know Morgan and our friends, I, when I say compete, I mean, I want to beat them. Uh, I understand what their designs are. And I would probably uh, resemble your comments uh, more about the, uh, if indeed the, the administration is throwing under the bus the technical people at state. And if that indeed happened, maybe it did. But I, I think what it really calls for is a clarification of our policy, if not a clarification, at least an announcing of what our policy what our policy is. And I do think some of the optics around, I think you and young Mr. Deuce, I call him that because I know his dad, but I know Peter, Peter's point around, you know, <laughs> where, where do we really stand here and what is our position here? I think you know, the administration on a few fronts, I think it seems at times, and I'm a big supportive of the administration, but it seems that there are times in which we are just reacting to issues day in and day out, be it on the border uh, and increasingly around this issue with China. I think we need a policy. And I, I mean, I don't, I think President Trump did a terrific job at Operation Warp Speed, but I do think that President Trump and Bush and, and Obama have all struggled with this issue. And uh, as we think about the designs that they have, the central design they have, as Morgan articulated, they want to dominate the world. Their intention is to be the biggest military, have the biggest military, biggest economy, and they equate those two things with being the most dominant country in the world. What are our plans to prevent that? To pre- not only prevent that, but how do we plan to, to, stay, to stay strong and stay competitive? And that's how I interpret what Secretary Austin is saying when he says competitive. But we need a plan, and uh, the plan needs to be fully flushed out. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Peter, and I'll just call you Peter, um, you covered the White House, <laughs> and I, I covered it, um, and it is the center focus of really everything in Washington. It all goes through there. The issue of the day is always the issue at the White House um, and what the president is focusing on and what the administration is touting. It seems like they have lost a little bit of the control over the the narrative, the media, the effort to kind of pitch their own Uh, how things are going as the polls continue to take a dive, even though over the weekend I heard one one Sunday show speculate that it's really not Biden's fault, uh, all these polls that are (laughs) falling down. So not sure how that's true, but what what do you think the mindset of Jen Psaki, the White House media team, the White House overall, are they in battle mode? Are they in persuasion mode that they're going to these different networks and saying you need to treat us better? What, how, how do you assess? I'd say it's more of a remember me mode because like last week, for example, you've got these smash and grab robberies that are popping up all across the country. You've got this new variant, which a couple days, you know, we learn more every day a couple days ago. Uh, lots of concern about it. And the two things that they talk about are COVID vaccines or boosters and the infrastructure bill that already passed. And, you know, they're trying to show people, it seems, 
that they can get something right. They think their vaccine rollout was done right. They think the infrastructure package, which was bipartisan, was done right and that that's good policy. So they're trying to keep eyeballs on that stuff, even though for a lot of people, it's in the rearview mirror and they've got problems popping up every day that they want to see addressed. And and so uh, the next thing uh, in terms of persuading, they are going to keep pushing this social spending bill, but it seems less and less likely that they're going to meet Chuck Schumer's deadline of Christmas for that. Yeah, Morgan, I mean, you've been inside an administration and, you know, when polls on different things go wrong, some handle it differently. This administration is pushing this Build Back Better bill, despite the fact that there's real misgivings about how big it is, what it means for inflation, and whether they can get all of the Democrats and herd the cats on this vote. Well, not only that, Brett, there's also just a few more days left in the legislative calendar for this year. This week would actually normally be the end of the legislative session. So um, unless uh, the president can pull off a Christmas miracle, um, and maybe he can, I think it's uh, pretty fair to say that this fight is going to go into 2022. As you mentioned, Joe Manchin is meeting with the president today. Um, and, and the inflation numbers last Friday, in my mind, if anything, sort of put a death knell for getting this uh, Build Back Better done uh, by the end of this legislative session, by the end of 2021, uh, it was those inflation numbers last Friday. Uh, anybody, any moderate Democrat who's on the fence saw those numbers and thought, you know, I think I'm going to pass. Yeah. And Harold, last thing, uh, you know, they did pass the bipartisan infrastructure structure bill. Yet, I don't think that they got the bounce from it because they tied it to this other bill, which looks like it's teetering. I think you're right. Uh, politically, they, there was no there was no jump. In fact, the polls confirm uh, that if, if you believe polls, I think if you believe them when they're good, you have to believe them when they're bad. Suggest that the president's you know, upside down on some of the major uh, items on the minds of voters, I think is one thing I think any political party, particularly the party in power, which is my party now, when you see polls like that, you can't suggest that people are worried about the wrong things. I mean, you have to meet people where they are. And if people are concerned about these issues and they are the foremost issues on their minds, those are the issues you have to have to deal with. But you put the hammer right on the nail. You know, they continue to be focused on something that um, that they want to pass that most people don't know what's in it. And the few people that think they or some people who think they know what's in it know the worst things that are in it or they know the absolute best thing that's in it. But if you take the best things that are in it in the minds of some Democrats, even Republicans who may support it, it doesn't amount to two trillion dollars of spending. If you take the worst things in it, it doesn't amount to two trillion dollars of wasteful spending. So I think they've got to tell a better story. And, you know, the key thing here, the key person is Joe Manchin. I mean, we can kid ourselves all we want. But if he if he's not satisfied with this bill, and I, I think Senator Cinema is not only relevant like everybody else's, but her voice is powerful right here. But it's, it's, it's Joe Manchin. And if he is not a believer that spending this level of money is going to help everyday Americans and particularly everyday West Virginians, it's probably not going to pass. And they passed the infrastructure bill. I'm happy for it because we need those dollars. We, begin, we need to begin to plan and begin to spend those dollars appropriately and wisely. But you're right, politically, they didn't get much from it at all. And the importance of Senator Joe Manchin continues to pop up. And frankly, that's why Senator Mitt Romney getting into the elevator, passing Manchin, said, President Manchin, good to see you. There you have it. Panel, thank you. <laughs> little history. On December 13, 2000, in a televised statement, Vice President Al Gore conceded the presidency. Texas Governor George W. Bush, after weeks of legal battles, recounting votes in the state of Florida. I was there in Tallahassee. After losing the popular vote, Governor Bush went on to win the presidency in the Electoral College by a narrow margin, 271 to 266. It was the first inversion of the electoral 
electoral and popular vote since 1888. President Bush and Vice President Dick Cheney would go on to win re-election in 2004 over Democrats John Kerry and John Edwards. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Morgan, Harold, and Peter, young Peter Ducey, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.